welcome everybody to our podcast. We call it From the Preacher Study. I'm Bob Hutto. This is uh, Kevin Clark. I'm the preacher here at Oak Mountain Church of Christ. Uh, Kevin and I have been working uh, in this format for, for a good while now, mm-hmm. and uh, we, uh, we enjoy it. We hope we're able to uh, communicate some information about the scriptures, do some teaching and some study that, that's helpful to people. Kevin, of course, is a member here at Oak Mountain, and we've, we've thoroughly enjoyed working yeah, together. Yeah. Over the time that we've mm-hmm. done it, uh, over a year, I'm sure, right. in one way or another, mm-hmm. doing this sort of work, uh, we're joined by Jason Reed and, and Mark Townsend, and they mm-hmm. handle the technical end of it. I thought on the way up here, I thought uh, we need to get Jason and Mark on this side of the camera <laughs> at some point. <laughs> we but did. then I thought, well, then we might have to do their work, and oh, it would be a complete no. disaster. Yeah, you know, that's right. <laughs> they do a great job, and we really appreciate it and appreciate their families Absolutely. Uh, working uh, with them and uh, allowing them to do this. And, and like I said, I hope we do some good. We reach some people and encourage some people, drawing attention to the Word. The power is in the Word. Absolutely. And... Um, we want to emphasize that, and, and uh, that's, that's why we study strictly from the text. Right. Uh, and uh, not man's word, mm-hmm. not human wisdom, mm-hmm. but God's wisdom from the Scripture itself. So we're studying in Ephesians chapter 6. We're talking about the passage that uh, details the armor of God. Mm-hmm. Uh, Paul encourages us to put on the armor of God, and so we're going to continue that discussion uh, in, our, in our session to, today. Any words of introduction, Kevin? Well, sure. Uh, there was somebody recently uh, who uh, remarked upon the study and the value of the study and even began discussing some specific points. And it just highlighted to me that we have folks out there who really appreciate God's Word and really appreciate the teaching that's being done. And uh, of course, we enjoy studying, preparing for this, the interaction we have. But uh, there are folks on the other side of this thing that are out there. They're yeah. listening and they're benefiting. And of course, that's to be expected. We've often talked about Isaiah 55, God's word will not return to him void. We do believe that the word of God is living and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, and that it pierces uh, to the vision of soul and spirit. And uh, it, it is very beneficial. And so I think anytime we can elevate and, and highlight and emphasize God's word, and talk about you know what it means. Give the sense you know of the word. It's going to be helpful uh, to the audience. And so we really encourage you continue to, to, to plug in, continue to watch, let other people know, uh, spread the word. Uh, if you've got some coworkers, some friends, uh, schoolmates, I, I'm, I'm really impressed. Uh, some of the young people that have been uh, coming into the program and watching, and that's an easy thing because young people are so oriented in social media. Uh, you know, give them the link and, and encourage them uh, to follow along. So again, just get the word out. There's much good being done here. We appreciate everybody being involved. Well, again, we're studying Ephesians chapter six. We're talking about the whole armor of God. It's really a passage that has its basis in the Old Testament. Mm-hmm. In Isaiah chapter 59, verse 17, he put on righteousness like a breastplate, a helmet of salvation mm-hmm. on his head. He put on garments of vengeance for clothing and wrapped himself with zeal as a mantle. And so that, that little section there in Isaiah 59, verse 17, sort of uh, maybe provides some Old Testament background mm-hmm. for this passage. So we talk about how Paul was familiar with a Roman soldier. He mm-hmm. encountered Roman mm-hmm. soldiers, but he's also very familiar with the Old Testament. That's and right. so he's able to tie those ideas together, I'm sure. And and uh, we have this passage right here as he's led by the, the Spirit to write. Last time in our session, we talked about Satan. Satan is mm-hmm. a real spirit mm-hmm. being. He's, he's evil. He's trying to draw us away from God. And we're involved in a, a serious battle. The world we live in is a dangerous place spiritually, 
It's often dangerous physically. We understand mm -hmm. that, and we sort of try to prepare ourselves for the dangers we face. Well, we need to do the same thing spiritually. It's a it's a dangerous place, and and that danger takes many forms: uh, just to temptation to sin, uh, false teaching, mm -hmm. all sorts of various uh, forms that evil takes. And so, we want to be aware of those things, aware of Satan's devices, and arm ourselves so that we can withstand his temptations, and we can uh, we won't be we won't be harmed by. Uh, the weapons that he uses against us. And so he says that in chapter 6 of Ephesians, verse 12, our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against the powers and against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in heavenly places. It's a mm -hmm. spiritual, spiritual battle, yeah. and but we still need to be prepared for it. Uh, and it's a very real battle. And so we need to be prepared for it. The first element of armor he talks about is truth. Mm -hmm. And so you see that in verse 13. Take up the full armor of God so that you'll be able to resist him, resist in the evil day and having done everything to stand firm. Stand firm, therefore, having girded your loins with truth. Talk about that mm -hmm. uh, a little bit. We'll try to just touch on that, maybe by way of review a little bit. It's I don't know that it's coincidence that he begins with truth. Mm -hmm. Truth is essential in our resisting the devil in our not being deceived by the lies that he tells us. And that's how he tempts us, by telling us lies, by telling us that evil is good mm -hmm, mm -hmm. or that it won't hurt you this one time right, right. or nobody will know. Mm -hmm. You know, those, those lies that he tells us, it's essential that we arm ourselves with truth. Mm -hmm. It's essential that we know religious truth. Mm -hmm. I was thinking the other day that so many people today look at choosing religion as if it was, you know, choosing a football team to cheer for. <laughs> you cheer for your team, I'll right, cheer for my team, right. and, and you might be devoted to yours, but I'm devoted mm -hmm. to mine. And really, mm -hmm. we all have, have the, the right to choose our own <laughs> team. Well, there's mm -hmm. truth in religion, right. just like there's truth in math, or there's mm -hmm. truth in science, or there's historical truth. There's religious truth. And the truth is in the Word of God. It's in what is written. And so that's why Jesus answers temptation with that quotation, you know, or that introduction Amen. to the quotation, it is written. Now, you made a point about truth as well, so touch mm -hmm. on that. Well, and I don't know if it's the same point uh, that, that we made last time, but first, before I get to that, I wanted to say I like your metaphor about the teams. And if we think about uh, that from a biblical standpoint, there are teams, but there's only two teams. And it's God's team and then the devil's team. And that's it. There's no in-between. Jesus said, he who is not with me is against me. And so we have a choice. But, you know, in addition to the objective truth that we teach and we preach and we proclaim, uh, we also are to be in our own lives those who are truth tellers. And there's a relationship between the objective truth that we're giving to the world and conducting ourselves in truth. It would be uh, really incompatible for us to hold the objective truth and share it with the world, and yet in our personal dealings with one another, we're dishonest, we lie, we deceive. Well, those two things don't go together. And so in order to uh, adorn the doctrine, if you will, that objective truth, we need to be truthful in our interactions with our spouse, with our children, with our neighbors, with our friends, with our employers, employees, everybody. Christians must be truth-tailers. And, and what that does is not only is it right, not only does it help those around us, but it's consistent with the gospel message that we're proclaiming and preaching and sharing with others. It would be totally ineffective for us to, to tell people, now you need to value truth. Yes. 
you need to put a premium on truth. And right. so Jesus is the truth and you need to hold to that. Now I'm a liar. I don't value <laughs> truth in my daily life, but you need to value it. So it doesn't work, does it? You know, that's in no, incompatible, <laughs> as you said. And so that is almost self-contradictory, right, isn't it? Right. So if we're going to value truth and point people to truth, right. we need to live we do. according to truth and be truth Amen. tellers and so forth. Amen. Well, the next bit of armor he talks about here in verse 14 is, putting on the breastplate of righteousness. Mm -hmm. So righteousness is an important concept in the New Testament. It's, the word is, is used in a couple of different ways. Mm -hmm. And so we want to just make a note of that. We're made righteous. Mm -hmm. When we are forgiven of our sin, we are made right. As far as the law is concerned and standing before God, we are made right. We are made righteous or we are justified mm -hmm. is a, another way of saying that. But we also practice righteousness. Yeah. And so righteousness is something that we are. Right. You are righteous. You're made righteous right. by the blood of Christ. God forgives you of your transgression. Uh -huh. But we must live a That's righteous right. life. Right. We must practice righteousness. That's right. Now, let me just show you a couple of passages mm -hmm. along those lines. Philippians chapter Chapter 3 and verse 9, I want to be found in him, Paul says, not having a righteousness of my own derived mm -hmm. from the law, but that which is through faith in, in Christ, the righteousness which, which comes from God by faith. Right. And so God makes us right with him by right. forgiving our sins. Uh -huh. But then we're to practice righteousness right. as well. And so that's important to keep those two ideas in mind. So look at 1 John chapter 3, yeah. verse 7. Right. Yeah. Little children, make sure no one deceives you. We just talked about that, didn't we? Uh, Make we sure did. no one deceives right. you. The one who practices righteousness exactly. is righteous. Right. And then again, verse 10, you see it uh, again. Anyone who does not practice right. righteousness right. is not from God. And so we are to practice righteousness. Uh -huh. First Corinthians chapter 6 kind of comes at it from uh, another direction. He says in verse uh, 9, Do you not know that the unrighteous mm, that's right. will not inherit the kingdom of God? That's and then right. he talks about some of the behaviors right. within the concept of unrighteousness. And mm -hmm. so he mentions some of those. We're familiar with the passage. Right. Fornicators, idolaters, adulterers, effeminate homosexuals, thieves, covetous, drunkenness, drunkards, and so forth. Well, those, those are unrighteous. That conduct right. is unrighteous. Yep. As I understand it, the idea of righteous, to be righteous or to do righteousness is to conform That's to right. God's law, to That's conform right. to the law. If you conform to the law, you're mm -hmm. right as far as the judge is concerned. Right. You're an attorney. Absolutely. Those, those ideas make sense? They absolutely resonate with me, yeah. <laughs> and, you know, one of the things I thought of, I like your idea, and it's a biblical idea, that not only are we righteous through faith, but we can practice righteousness. And I think that element probably gets short shrift in yes. a lot of the religious world. And it kind of underscore that 2 Timothy 3 uh, tells us where we can get the instruction in that righteousness, and that's from the Word of God. Uh, 2 Timothy 3, 16 through 17, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, listen to this, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. So we are to practice righteousness. How do we know what righteousness is? How do we practice that which is imposed upon us? Well, the scriptures tell us that. They are able to instruct us in righteousness. Study the scriptures. They tell you how to live, how to talk, how to walk, how to dress. Those things are laid out in the scriptures. So we don't have to you know, meander and kind of figure it out ourselves. We're instructed in righteousness when we come to the scriptures and study and meditate upon them. Second Peter chapter 2 and verse 20. 
For if, if they, for if after they have escaped the defilements of the world by the knowledge of the Lord and Savior mm -hmm. Jesus Christ and are entangled in them and overcome, the last state is worse than the first. It would be better for them not to have known mm -hmm. the way of righteousness. Right, right. That's a way of life, isn't yeah, it? Exactly. It's a way of living, yeah. the mm -hmm. way of righteousness. Mm -hmm. And so where do we learn that? We yeah, learn that in, in, in Scripture. That's right. And so uh, the, the, the Scriptures give, fill in the details and give us uh, specifics about how to walk in the way of righteousness. Mm -hmm. Jesus warns us, be careful when you do your deeds of righteousness, that you don't right. do them just to be noticed by men. That's right. And so we, I think you're right that we, this point maybe doesn't get emphasized enough. It's sort of, uh, you know, be, do what you are in a, in a way. Mm -hmm. You mm -hmm. are righteous right, right. by faith, right. God. So do righteousness. Right. You are made holy, and so pursue holiness. That's right. And so there's kind of this. Here's what you are, yeah. and so your life should be consistent with what God has made you. Absolutely. And so that that only stands to reason. God has made you this. Okay, now we have a responsibility mm -hmm. to live in a manner consistent with what God has made us. Absolutely. So you got, got, got yeah, more to add a, just a couple of things I was going to say on that. It, it's interesting to me with all of this armor, but specifically with these are things that are accessible to us. So he says, having put on. So it's something we can put on the breastplate of righteousness. And the importance of that righteousness or right wiseness, as some versions say, is that you think about the breastplate. What does it cover? It covers the lungs. It covers the heart. I mean, this is a critical part of the body. And if you get hit in this area, there's a good chance you're going to die. And so this righteousness that we're to practice, but also the righteousness that we have through faith is essential uh, to protect ourselves. It's a protective uh, uh, shield, if you will, not, not literally shield, but a breastplate that will keep you uh, out of Satan's uh, way. So I think the idea of practicing righteousness, of doing righteousness is intriguing to me because it says we can be righteous and we can do righteousness. Sometimes we have people say, no, 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 we're so just inundated with sin. We're born in sin. Sin is just the way we live. There's nothing we can do about it. That is not what we read here. Yes, sin is a universal problem. It is a problem that can't be solved without Jesus Christ. But in Christ, we're supposed to get sin under control. And we can't be, as 1 John 1 talks about, we can't be walking in darkness and then claim to be in the light. There's a difference between those two. So we've got to walk righteously, walk in the light as he is in the light. So what would a person who's pursuing righteousness, I think about Matthew chapter 5, Blessed are those who mm -hmm. hunger and, and thirst, thirst for righteousness. For righteousness. Yeah. They want to be right. Good point. They want to be forgiven of their sin, but they also want to practice righteousness mm -hmm. as well. That's right. And then over in Matthew 6 and verse 33, seek, seek first his kingdom and his, his righteousness. So it's yeah. something that we seek. Mm -hmm. uh, and so a person who is righteous, who pursues righteousness, seeks righteousness, hungers and thirsts for it, when he sins, what would he do about his sin? What would he do about well, it? Well, he would acknowledge the sin, right. he would confess the sin, and he would repent of the sins and then get back in the good graces of God. That's right. So, uh, you know, this, this idea, just resigning to sin. Mm -mm. Oh, we're, you know, we're uh, sinful people and, uh, you know, the, you just can't do, no, that you can do what's you right. You can, absolutely. You can do what's right. And when you stumble and fall, right. what was a, what would a person do? He would, he yeah. would see that, acknowledge exactly. it and change do his best to change his behavior. That's right. That's right. The, the longer we do that, the more we practice righteousness, like so many other things, 
the better we'll get at it. Absolutely. You know? Absolutely. Uh, the stronger we yeah, get, the better choices we make. Yeah. So this is a growth process. We're pressing on. We're growing toward maturity. Right. And so as we get more mature and practice righteousness, and that becomes more and more part of our lifestyle, right. we should get better at it. And I love so, that. Yeah, I, I, sometimes I talk about habits of obedience. You know, we need to develop those and get rid of the habits of disobedience, but start as an early age developing those habits of obedience. And as you say, it's going to serve you well, and you just get stronger and stronger in that. And righteousness is something you are pursuing as a way of life. Yeah, it's not right. something you wait to you get in your 60s and say, oh, by the way, I think I'll start being righteous. <laughs> right. That doesn't mean that we'll never be tempted or we'll right. never struggle right. with this or that. That's right. But we, we hope that we get better and better as, as That's time right. goes by and we become more, more and more mature. Amen. Well, I can see that we're really out of time. We'll uh, talk about more of these, mm-hmm. uh, these features of the, the armor of God in, uh, in, a, in future sessions. But just think about the idea of starting out with truth, knowing the truth, making a commitment to righteousness, to practicing righteousness. And we're on the way, you know, mm-hmm. we're, we're on our way to being what God would would want us to be. Amen. And so I appreciate everybody being with us today and hope we've had some things to say that have been helpful and and, uh, inspiring for us and something that we can use to to take that next step in our spiritual development. Kevin, would you like to close us in prayer? Let's bow our heads. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so very much for all that you have given to us, all that you do for us. We thank you for life, health, and strength. We thank you for all the necessities of life. We thank you for the special liberties and the freedom and liberties that we have in this country. Uh, but also we thank you most especially for your son and forgiveness of sins and the relationship that we have through his blood, his death on the cross. What amazing sacrifice, amazing display of love both by you and by the son. We're so very thankful for that. And let us translate that appreciation and gratitude into obedience. I hope that and trust that everybody under the sound of my voice uh, has obeyed the gospel of Jesus Christ. And if not, that they will make their soul right by obeying the gospel. Uh, It is amazing to be called a child of yours and to have the hope of eternal life in front of us. And so we're so very thankful for that. We are also thankful for your word that we have been studying for so long here in this format from the preacher's study. We thank you for all the truth that is revealed therein. It's understandable. It's ascertainable. It's something that we can apply to our lives. As we've been talking about, it's so important for us and our struggle against the spiritual forces of darkness headed by Satan that we stand strong in your might, in your strength, in your power, not in our own. And you've told us to take these things that are accessible to us, that are available to us, like truth, uh, like righteousness. And we're going to talk some more about the preparation of the gospel, peace, faith, uh, and your word. But all these things you've given to us to be successful, uh, please help us to be aware of those things, be thankful for those things, take advantage of those things, and to be prepared for this spiritual battle that we're in every single day. We're so very thankful that you care for us and you've provided for us and you want us to be successful and you expect us to be so. And any of us who fails at the end, only has himself or herself to blame on Judgment Day because you've done everything that can be done on your end to make us successful in this endeavor. We ask you to continue to be with this study, be with those who are listening uh, or who are watching uh, this podcast. May they be blessed by your word, and may they take the word and spread it among their neighbors, their friends, their co-workers, their family members, their neighbors, uh, just anywhere they go to take the gospel with them. Such a wonderful privilege to be able to have the good news and to share it with a world that is in a sea of darkness. We ask you to continue to be with us in Christ's name we pray. Amen.